The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. anyway and when we align ourselves then we begin to see what God has said now the dawn is the break of light into day into the day so into the darkness of the night so the dawn is the first appearance of light in the day. And you are coming into a new dawn. It means light is going to break out into your day. Praise the name of the Lord. We call it daybreak. We call it daylight. We call it first light. And it has been announced prophetically, that the dawn has come. The new dawn has come. When the dawn comes, you get out of the bed. Hopefully, you <laughs> it's time for action. That's what it means. When the dawn gets announced, you know, first time I did this um, kind of teaching, I gave an illustration of when we were growing up, we, we used to do a lot of plays because we were plenty. So <laughs> we, were, we were able to act dramas. So in, in the different dramas that we, we, we had was sometimes you go to sleep and you have to wake up. So we pretend as if you are, you are sleeping. One night open. And we are waiting for the person that has been designated to, ask, to announce the door. <laughs> we are just waiting for the person to say, Kukuruku! Once he says, Kukuruku, we all jump out and it's the dawn. Praise the name of the Lord. Did you guys, do you know what Kukuruku is? Because <laughs> we are looking like a outside. What is this one talking about? Kukuruku is we are mimicking the cock crowing at dawn. Praise the name of the Lord. So, we have announced Kukuruku to you. <laughs> Basically, that is what we have done. We've just said Kukuruku. So, that's just what we've done. So, <laughs> so you have to, and to we, we, I'm going to go at jet speed because there's so much now, when the dawn is announced, you have to get up and shine. 
Because your light has come. You have to get up and take the stand. Because your light has come. You know, when the light comes, when your light comes, it's not a time to sit down. It's a time to get up. And if, if you are going to be a great person in God, if you are going to fulfill your destiny in God, you need to understand this. You need, you need to understand that after the prophetic comes the pragmatic. After the prophetic comes what? The pragmatic. You, you, so, okay, the world has come. Now you need to be pragmatic. You need to sit down. You need to analyze. You need to seize your opportunities. Ephesians 4.16 says to us, Ephesians 4.16 says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Make the most of every opportunity. So success basically is seizing opportunities. That's what success is. It's seizing opportunities. Now, you have to be able to see it then sift it before you can seize it. You have to be able to what? See it. Then you have to what? Sift it. Okay, I didn't want to do the drawing because of time. I wanted to rush, but maybe I should just uh, do it. <clears throat> you have to be able to to what? See it. Then after you've seen it, you sift it. Then after you've sifted it, before you can seize it. So, you see it. Then, you sieve it. Sorry, sift, sieve, sift. Did I say sieve or sift? I said sift, but um, the assistance. <clears throat> but I, I want to be consistent in my notes. To sieve is to, um, you know, like. <laughs> you, you see it, you sift it before you can. See, is that correct? Okay, so that is the um, process to taking opportunity. So you 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 have to see it, sift it. Before you can see now it's so important it looks simple but it's not simplistic if you can't see it and which is why your light has come because you need light to see you need light to see 
when your light comes, you can see. And in the name of Jesus, begin to see. Begin to see. Then sift. You have to sieve, sift, sort. Then you have to seize it. The opportunity. Now we're going to look at five things about opportunity. And in those five things, we will see um, we will see seeing, sifting, seizing. The first thing, are you ready? Is I must say no to good opportunities so that I can say yes to great ones. That is insane. Now, the fact that things are coming your way does not mean you have to embrace them. The fact that they are good opportunities doesn't mean you have to do them. You don't have the time to do everything. I don't have the time to do everything. As a church, we can't do everything. We are pretty clear about that. You don't have the time to do everything. And you, you, you know what? God, your father, the one that made you, does not even expect you to do everything. God doesn't expect you to do everything. You cannot say, oh, this is an opportunity. I have to, I have to seize it. I have to seize every opportunity. Did they tell you that you have to seize every opportunity that comes your way? Big fat lie. No, you don't. Why should you? You want to kill yourself? You know, the illustration I give in this is that, you know, women are just fantastic people. They go through a menstrual cycle every month. And every menstrual cycle is a, an opportunity to have a child. True or false? And the woman says, you have to seize all the opportunities that come your way. I will seize all my opportunities. <laughs> In Jesus' name. <laughs> What's going to happen? <laughs> I'm trying to fake the laugh. <laughs> the point is this. It's not going to work. You're going to kill yourself. A woman had 38 children. She still has not seized half of the opportunities. You can't. So, why does God keep bringing those opportunities? Why? Because that is teaching us a lesson that opportunities will keep coming. You have to be able to. You know, there's some guy, he's a, he's a management guru, Peter Drucker. He, he, the people he mentors, he always asks them this question. He says, you know, when they come to meet him, the, the young guy, um, CEOs, young CEOs, he mentored all the major. Um, CEOs of the blue companies, and he always asks them this question. Before you tell me the new thing you want to start doing, tell me what you have stopped doing. Tell me what you've stopped doing. Before you add another thing to your calendar, what are you removing from your calendar? If you keep putting stuff on your boat, the boat, the boat will, will sink. 
Even if you have wood in the fire, if you keep putting more wood, you kill the fire. You need to determine what is not worth your while. It's not because it's not good, but the question is, is this. I mean, you know, just because it's good doesn't mean I should do it. Just because it's good does not mean I should do it. Just, oh, somebody came to you and says, eh, you don't understand. Now you have to, what is raining now, you need to sell coconut oil. That is the new oil that is moving. And you say, hey, coconut oil. Then you go to Badagri. You are carrying, uh, okay, ah, hello me. You are, you, you are just, listen. By the time we are done, God will give you um, grace to know what to chase and what not to chase. First Corinthians 7, First Corinthians 7, 35. He says, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Some opportunities are just distractions. They are just distractions. You can't be a great person if you get distracted from the main thing. So, the first thing is that I must be able to say no so that I'm able to say yes. I must be able to say no so that I'm able to say yes. Number two, every opportunity must be evaluated. That's sifting. So, you know, it's kind of interwoven. Every opportunity must be evaluated. Must be evaluated. In Exodus 13, God had promised the children of Israel the land, the promised land. He has said to them, I'm giving you the land. Moses still sent 12 spies to evaluate the land. Why? This, hasn't God said he's giving us the land? Why do you have to send 12 spies? Because in fact it was God that said you sent 12 spies. But that's how it works. You have to evaluate the opportunity. You have to Evaluate the opportunity. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, the word of God says, test everything. How many things? Everything. Keep only what is good. <laughs> test everything. Oh, pastor, we should be doing this. I said, why should we? Because the church down the line is doing it. Praise God for them. But we can't do everything. We do what God has called us to do. So, how do I sift? How, Pastor? How do I test? How do I sieve? How do I sort? How do I evaluate these opportunities? There, there, there are about five questions I ask. It's not original. I didn't come up. I mean, I must have taken it out of a book or combined books I've read, but they work for me and they, they help me. Praise the name of the Lord. Five questions to sift opportunities. Five questions. Number one question is this. What
do I need to know? And who knows it? I want to start a business. What do I need to know? And who knows it? Who knows? Who has done this thing before? You see, there's no point reinventing the wheel. You cannot do everything that is original. There's no point. God will give you your own oil, but you have to borrow vessels. Some people are too damn arrogant. They want to be able to say, oh, it was my idea. Who cares? Did Did it succeed or did it fail? I'd rather have a borrowed idea that succeeds than have an original idea that keeps failing. Borrow vessels. I mean, come on. There are people that have worked that path before. Sit down. Just ask. Who knows this thing? Who knows these things? I need to meet this person. Did you know 75% of businesses that start fail? 75%. Huge number. Why? Mostly because of this thing. This thing I'm saying. It looks very simple, but mostly because of it. People dive into things and think, I will figure my way out. Life is too short to figure everything out. Praise the name of the Lord. Proverbs 13.13 says to us, Proverbs 13.13 says, it's stupid to decide before knowing the facts. It doesn't make sense. Proverbs 15.22 Proverbs 15.22 says to us, get all the advice you can and you will succeed. Without it, you will fail. It's a fact. It's just how it is. Get all the advice you need. Proverbs 11.14 With many counselors, there's what? There's safety. So question number one, what do I need to know? And who knows it? Question number two. What might be the unintended consequences of this? Scenario planning. You know, was, um, they said it was um, invented by Shell Corporation. <laughs> you know, and they said they invented scenario planning. If this, then this. If this. But they didn't invent it. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. They copied it. But they allowed them to own the patent if there is one. Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22, 3 says to us that a prudent man does what? Foresees difficulties. He does scenario planning. He, you, you see, the, the bottom line of scenario planning is expect the best but prepare for the worst. That's the bottom line of it. He foresees difficulties ahead and prepares for them. A fool does what? Goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. You can be tongue-talking. You still suffer the consequences. But you will not be a fool. In the mighty name of Jesus. A prudent man does what? Foresees. He foresees. He foresees the foresight you need, God will give you. Yeah. Proverbs 14, Proverbs 14, 16. It says, the wise are cautious and avoid danger. 
You see a wise person. You are saying, oh, do this, do that, do that. He's conscious. He's thinking. He's pausing. He avoids danger. But guess what? Fools, they what? They plunge into it with what? With great confidence. <laughs> There's usually a mark of fools. Confidence in nothing. It's a mark of fools. They don't lack confidence. Fools don't lack confidence. They lack wisdom, but they don't lack confidence. I mean, it's in the Bible. Isn't the Bible amazing? It's the dawn of a new day. You are going to begin to see great opportunities. And not so great ones too. You have to sift. You have to sift. After the prophetic comes the the pragmatic. Number three question I wrestle with is this. What's my motivation? Why? Why do I want to do this? Really? Why? Why am I doing this? What's my motivation? God wants to know why. God is more concerned about why you do what you do. Why are you doing it? Why am I doing it? I want to build this house. Why? I want to do this great work. Why? Why? Philippians 2, 3 says, Never let selfish or selfishness or pride be your guide when you do things. It's called, I will show them mentality. Wagba. Have you heard that before? Wagba. They will take, you know, why are you doing it? Why are you doing what you're doing? For some people, it's, it's the, the, the person that I'll show them is their spouse. I want to show my husband. I will make this money and I will use his nose to smell pepper. <laughs> oh, I want to show my wife. Why are you doing what you're doing? I want to go back to the village. All those my relatives that, that were abusing me when I was small, I would drive slowly when I'm passing their streets. Why are you doing what you're doing? God says, don't... And you see, the motive is so important. And I can go on and on and on and on on that. You need to sift it. It will help you. You just know that, no, 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 no. I can't waste my time with this opportunity. Because this is why I, wanted, I want to do this. It's not worth my while. Question number... How many questions did I say? Four or five? Five, okay. I'm trying to... <clears throat> five. Does this fit my purpose and calling? This is a lifesaver. It's a lifesaver. There are certain things that are good, but they are not compatible with your consecration. There are certain things I've said to people. I can't do this because it's not compatible with my consecration. I say, you are consecration. What does that mean? Take the opportunity. I said, no, it's not compatible with my purpose. It's not compatible with my consecration. As a church, there are so many things we say no to. Why? Because it's not compatible with our vision. It is not compatible. It's not. 
Luke 9, in Luke 9, 62, it says, and Jesus says, anyone who lets himself be distracted from the work I plan for him is not fit for the kingdom of God. And many times, one of the things that distracts us from God's purpose in our lives is actually God's work in somebody else's life. Oh, God is using her to do this. Ah, me too. Oh, God is blessing him with that. Oh, me too. From a purpose standpoint, me too is not good. No, no, no. God is blessing that a church to do certain things. God bless them, not me too. No, 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 no. Many people have run their destiny down because they are trying to copy somebody else. Be yourself. If God needed a clone, he would have cloned you. You will look, you will have looked like the person, but you don't. I'm sorry to announce it. You don't. But guess what? God has a great plan for you. For you, for you, for you. So don't mess it up. Does this fit my purpose and calling? Question number five. Is this the best use of my time and energy? I mean, I don't like people wasting my time. I'm asking you a question. You're going around, don't, if this is just not working for me. I'm just going to go away. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Every opportunity that comes away, ask yourself, is this the best use of my time? Should I be doing this? I try to do what only me can do in church. I mean, ask my colleagues. I, I try to do what only me can do. What somebody else can do, I try to let them do it. The things I do that takes my energy and focus are the things only me can do. Nobody can pray for me. Nobody can go into God's presence for me. God, God against service is coming, right? Well, okay, just pass, actually. I mean, we, we need to seek God's face. We can do it corporately. But after the vigil, I, myself, I need to go before my father and fall on his face alone. I can't delegate that. Who do I delegate that to? Shegu or Adasa or Debbie? Who, who's going to do it? While I'm taking, uh, sipping coffee, who's going to do it? Nobody. I, there are certain things you cannot delegate and there are certain things that you should let go of. Why? Because it's killing your time. You can make more money, you can make more time. You can make more children, you can make more time. Why did I ever say that? <laughs> we need to go quickly. Uh, number three. How many things did I say? Five. Are you sure I said five? Okay. <clears throat> I must stay flexible to be ready. Galatians 5. 25. Galatians 5, 25. I must stay flexible 
to be ready. So since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If you are not flexible, you can't keep in step with the Holy Spirit. You have to be flexible to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because His ways are not our ways. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And keeping in step with the Spirit is so important because opportunities, do you know opportunities are like problems? They don't last long. <laughs> opportunities are like problems, they come to pass. Opportunities are just, they, don't, they don't last, they just, they just stay, check, wait, 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 and go. Every problem you are going through is going to come to pass. It's going to come to pass. So, you cannot now make a permanent decision based on a temporary situation. You are just going through a challenge. You are not going to die there. No, you are not. The opportunity has come. But the opportunity is not going to stay there forever. There's an opportunity to do something for God. You see, that's why the Bible says, seek the Lord when he may be found. There's an opportunity to do something for God if you postpone it, it's not going to be there forever. That's what God is saying. You, if you, you can't seek the Lord when you want to find him. You seek him when he may be found. When there's a window to serve God, you take it. That window is not going to be there forever. When you have the energy to use it for God, you use your energy for God. Why? Because you are not going to be young forever. You're not going to be young forever. A time will come. Let me say it so that. But the truth is, you will not be able to. Just, we say we are doing a, a marathon for Jesus, right? Marathon for Jesus. A time will come when you cannot do that marathon for Jesus. You'll be doing um, slow poco walking for Jesus. <laughs> but it's just the truth. You go the way of every man. Except rapture happens. So, mm, it's not going to last long. People miss opportunities and that happens for several reasons. Several reasons. I'm going to breeze through a, a couple of reasons why people miss opportunities. Four of them. Very quickly, but I think you need to write very fast. Number one, inflexibility. People are not flexible enough. So, they miss opportunities. God is saying, go this way. And you're like, eh, but I want to go straight. God's saying, go this way. We're like, I want to go straight. While that discussion is happening, after a while, it won't say go this way anymore. Then you come by and say, oh, I want to go this way. He says, sorry, it has gone. As the children of Israel, God says, enter the promised land. He says, we will enter. Enter, we will enter. Enter, we will enter. Then they thought, ah, this is not good though. God is telling us to do something. We should do it. Though. They went back to God. We are ready to do it. God says, don't worry. Again. They cried. They begged. God says, No. The window opens every 40 years. It opens every 40 years. Ah, do they stop being God's children? No. Did God love, does God love them less? No. If God will love them in the wilderness, I call to them, even give them manna. Be chopping it. Business. Some of us are too busy. Are too busy. You can never be too busy to hear God. You can never be too busy. 
Number four, three, fear. Some of us, fear. There's a lion in the street. Afraid. Banish fear in the name of Jesus. Yet, for some, it's laziness. It's laziness. As a man turned, as the door turned on his hinges, so the slothful on his bed. Yet a little sleep. <laughs> Yet a little slumber. Praise the name of the Lord. So, number four. Every opportunity will have an opposition. Every opportunity will have an opposition. First Corinthians 16.9 says, There is a wide open door for a great work here. Although there are many who oppose me. There's a great and effectual door and there, there, there's, there's a huge opposition. So every time you see an opportunity, it comes with opposition. So the fact that there's an opposition doesn't mean you back down. As a church, I mean, some of us, you know the story, we've made some serious opposition. But every Goliath has only one destiny. What's the destiny of the Goliath? For the head of every Goliath, there's a stone. There's a stone for the head. One stone for that head, and it's going to come down. Boom! It's going to come down. In Jesus' name. So, stop being afraid. Because every time you want to do something great with your life, you will have opposition. Take it to the bank. Sometimes, the painful part, sometimes it comes from people that... You expect that they have your back. But it doesn't matter. You will have opposition. You will. It's painful. You may say, oh, <laughs> who do you think you are? He says, I want, to, I want to do this. Who do you think you are? David got to the battlefront. I, I want to fight this Goliath. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? But that's the wrong question. The, wrong, the question is not who do I think I am. The question is who do I think God is? That is the question. Who do you think God is? That's the question. So, when you stand before an opportunity and people are saying, who do you think you are? Don't take that question in and ask yourself, who do I think you are? You, I am. Because it is not who you think you are that determines if the opposition will fall. What determines if you, the opposition will fall is who you think God is. It's who you think God is. The all army of Israel were in front of Goliath and they didn't think much of their God. A little boy thought highly of his God and brought down Goliath. So the difference is not what do you think. Who I am does not matter really. Who am I? You say, who are you exactly? Who am I? But do you know who my God is? That's the question. And you see, when you set goals, you see, we need to let the size of our God determine the size of our goals. 
Don't let your resources determine the size of your goal. Don't let your education determine the size of your goal. Don't let your connection determine the size of your goal. Don't let what your father said, what your mother said, what your brother said, what your sister said, determine the size of your goal. Let who? Your God. Let your God determine the size of your goal. Let your God determine the size of your goal. Let your God determine the size of your goal. So, as the day breaks, as the opportunities are going to be abounding in your lives, you need to listen to this message again. You need to go through your notes again. When you want to cut yourself to size, you need to remember, it's not about me. It's not who I think I am. It's who I think God is. When you want to shortchange yourself and begin to think like a grasshopper, you need to stop yourself and say, no, I have a very big God who is always by my side. A very big God by my side. By my side, 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 I have a very big cartoon, is always by my side, a very big cartoon, by my side, by my side. Why are you not afraid? It's simple. It's not because of me. It's because of who is behind me. Praise the name of the Lord. Why are you so sure that this Goliath is going to fall? The God that killed the lion, that killed the bear, will take down this Goliath. That same God. That same God. So, number five, finally. As we draw the curtain, we made it. <laughs> Is that great opportunities bring two things with them. They bring great responsibilities and great reward. You can clap alone. It's okay. Come on. You don't have to join. That's okay too. <laughs> you know, but it's, clapping inspires other people. I understand that. Great opportunities bring great responsibilities and great reward. I'm going to read the story very quickly um, in Matthew 25. I want to tell it before, but I think we should read it from verse 14 to 30. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servant and entrusted his money to them. While he was gone, he gave five bags of silver to one two bags of silver to the other, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Everyone says to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest. He, be, he began to do all these things they're talking about. He began to take risk. He began to invest the money, and he earned five more. The servant that had to bags of silver, 
also went to work and and two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them to an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. That's 100%, right? The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Why is God not giving me more responsibilities? How have you handled the ones he has given you? Let's celebrate together. Then this servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So I will reward you with many more. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a ash man, harvesting crops you did not plant, gathering crops you did not cultivate. I was afraid because if I lose your money, you kill me. So I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. I didn't take the opportunity. I didn't see the opportunity in it. I didn't sieve it. I didn't sift it. I didn't sort it. I didn't seize it. Look, here's your money back. The same way you gave me. I've not lost it. Take. But the master replied, You wicked. A lazy servant. And that, that's, that's huge. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, then why didn't you just deposit my money in the bank? Give it to other people that will guarantee you an interest and a minimal risk. Even if it is a little interest. Even if it is below inflation rate. Even if it is below hundred percent return. But it is something. Our people say that if you don't do at all, now you know do. I don't do it at all. At all, at all. Are you bad pass? <laughs> the reason to people are not investing their lives and saving their money is because they are saying uh, savings is too low. It doesn't meet the inflation rate. So they are not saving. Okay. But you have not grown it. That's the way I'm going. <clears throat> At least you have got some interest. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags. You see how God thinks. You see how God works. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. 
and they will have an abundance. Say amen. amen. You know, you really can't say amen if you've not been there. Uh... But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into darkness and all that. So the point is this. Great opportunity. We come with great responsibility and reward. It is done. Your light has come. You need to arise and shine and seize the opportunities. You need to seize the spiritual opportunities before you. Some of us, we just come to church. You don't serve. You're not using your gift. You're not using your time for God. You need to change that. Because your light has come. Praise the name of the Lord. Some of us, we need to take the opportunities of even financial increase that God is bringing our way. We need to take the opportunities in our relationships that are going to spring forth because the light has come. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads. I want to pray for you if you're here, you're like, Pastor, I need to take my spiritual opportunities. My dawn has come. My light has come. I need to step out. I need to begin my walk with God. I need to have a relationship with Jesus. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Or you're saying, I used to have a relationship with Jesus, but I'm backsteading. Can I come back to Jesus? Can I come back to God? Yes, yes, you can come back to God today, my sister, my brother. Pastor, can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated, my brother, my sister, put up your hand now over your head and I'll pray with you. That is me. Shoot the hands up over your head and we'll pray together. That is me. God bless you. If I put up your hand, put up your hand well. Not on your head. Over your head. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my brother. Keep the hands up. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my brother. That hand there. God bless you. That is me. Keep the hands up. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my brother over there. God bless you, my sister. Right there. I can see that hand. Keep the hands up. Keep the hands up. Keep the, God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Over here. God bless you, my sister. Over there. God bless you. That is me, Pastor. God bless you, my sister. Right in front here. I want to start a walk with Jesus. Can you pray with me? My dawn has come. My light has broken. The new light has come. The day has broken. I want to arise. God bless you, sir. My brother, over there. I can see your hand. I want to arise. I want to arise spiritually. I want to arise spiritually and shine because my light has come. The rest of us, let's talk to If you're online, the structures are scrolling. The rest of us, let's talk to God about what we have heard. Let's just talk to Him. And let's just say, God bless you, sir. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my brother. Keep the hands up, sir. God bless you, sir. That is me. God bless you. Keep the hands up. Now, my light has come. My light has come. Your light has come. I have come to say kukuruku to you this morning. Kukuruku to everything that is dark in your situation. Your light has come. Oh, Father, we thank you. We give you praise and glory, Lord. We return all the praise to you, my Father. We pray for everyone that is surrendering to you. We ask that you cleanse them, save them, empower them. Let their work with you be tangible and real. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you, Father. 
All our glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are afraid. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord Jesus. For his goodness and his kindness. Amen.